what we make of it. Shotgun wedding. Sometimes a first date requires paperwork. A Good Omens fic, written by Charlotte Madison and read by Literarian. Chapter 33 With a sigh, Azira felt softened and smiled. He shifted his legs under the table, let their knees rub together. It was comforting. You know, I can't help wondering what you were like at Adam's age, he mused. Crowley looked up and laughed, surprised and buoyed by the thought. Oh, he's nothing like me, he exclaimed. Save both of us being too mouthy for our own good. I was always in trouble because I was trying to look cool. He's got no patience for that bullshit. No image to maintain. Guess that makes him genuinely cool where I was just trying to be. He's got no interest in impressing people or pissing them off or how they think of him at all. It's fantastic. I was never brave enough for that. Besides, that was the age when... Fuck shit, stop! Crowley shut his mouth so hard he bit the flesh of his cheek. When what? Yeah, now. Do not, you pushy, needy little fucker. Do not, wretched, pathetic, manipulative. You know where this goes. Do not fuck it up. I don't know. Aziraphale was leaning in and looking so hard. Why did he have to look? When what? Uh, when I started... Taking care of myself in earnest, I guess. Crowley adopted the closest thing to a carefree tone he could marshal. Old enough to babysit, go out alone, make my own schedule. Friends who could drive, you know, that age. He hid behind his wine and hoped that covered it. Oh said Aziraphale quietly. You got kicked out. Fuck! Every siren in Crowley's mind sounded at once. Tsunami, they cried. Tornado, hurricane, air raid, earthquake, fire, fire, fire! He shrugged. It's nothing special, Angel. All the cool kids were doing it. The blazing, protective look in Aziraphale's eyes made Crowley want his sunglasses back. Your parents? Parent, Crowley amended quickly. Mother. Your mother kicked you out of the house when you were Adam's age, when you were fourteen. Nearly fifteen, six months older than him. Crowley shrugged harder, but it wasn't helping. Shit! He hated pity more than he hated anything else on the entire fucking planet, maybe even more than the ER, and here it came, an entire fucking container ship full of it in sight of the docks. Pity was manipulative. Pity was pushy. Pushy. 
pity was dehumanizing. Fuck, this was exactly what he'd wanted to avoid. Not because the memory hurt, but because of how much everyone else seemed to need it to. You poor, poor kid, someone had messaged him on Grinder after teasing out the story. When he was forty fucking two. For the length of a weary sigh, he wondered whether Aziraphale would be able to look at him the same way anymore. Look, I was fine, he said, pinching the bridge of his nose hard. You know how it was back then. Still is for some of your students, I bet. Young and spiky, kissing boys, making trouble, asking all the wrong questions... There's mostly one way that ends. For me and everybody else I ran with, hardly makes me special. He drank again and focused on not shaking or twitching while he spoke. Shrug. It wasn't much worse than being at home anyway, except I had to sneak around to look after Lil. I had plenty of coaches and friends and other people's parents, not jobs. I finished school and made it to uni just fine. Really? I was fine. Yes! The passion in Aziraphale's voice was startling. Crowley looked up in shock. Yes, you were fine, because you're a marvel. Aziraphale pounded the table with his open palm, softly but emphatically. Come again? Genuine confusion wrinkled Crowley's brow. You were fine. You are fine. That's just it. That's the whole point. Aziraphale grabbed Crowley's elbow impulsively. He was energized, ardent, and radiating the opposite of pity, whatever the fuck that was. You're a brilliant, resilient, unsinkable thing, Crowley, and I don't believe there's an obstacle in the universe you can't vault over or, or, or confound or outlast. There's not a chair you can't vex, darling. Dumbfounded. That was the word. The word Crowley was looking for. Angel, are you fucking... Are you proud of me? So much that I can't begin to... Oh, just look at you. It's astounding to know you. It really is. Aziraphale actually stood up, paced in a small enthusiastic circle with fidgeting hands, and sat down again. He could hardly contain himself. After all that's happened, you turn around and give so much better than you received. You were abandoned, so you've decided to be loyal. Nobody took care of you. You've sworn to take care of everyone else. And how could I possibly have missed seeing all of it before? His hands fluttered between them now as he leaned in, eager, entreating. Adam and I were talking tonight about... Oh, right, you've had a talk with Adam, Crowley realized. 
Suddenly, Aziraphale's clarity and candor made perfect sense. That explains some things. Explains what? You not... I don't know, not hedging. You sound all positive and fiery about things. Crowley drained the last of his wine and stood up immediately to grab a second bottle, whatever was closest at hand. Screwed up? Sure, why the hell not? If they were going there, they were going there. So, what did Adam have to say about me? Like he'd flipped a switch, Aziraphale suddenly turned bashful. Nothing much. It was more about me than you, really. He sipped the last of the good wine, savouring it with eyes closed, then offered his glass for a pour of the cheap stuff. What about you, then? He... well, he is most insightful, and... oh, you know. The hesitant, careful tone was back, hopefully portending one of Aziraphale's precious revelations. Crowley sat forward and leaned on his elbows. He got me thinking about who I am and who you are and what I want. He reminded me that there are some facts I failed to... Well, I knew, but I didn't catch the meaning or the implication. I didn't synthesize it all very well, and it's rather... Here... Aziraphale paused, as if he was waiting to be interrupted. Crowley gestured for him to continue, watching in rapt silence. Cheers, darling, said Aziraphale, touching their glasses together again. He drank. He thought. I've been fascinated by you since the day I met you he said at last in a steadier voice. But I feel almost as if I'm seeing you for the first time now. Not that you've changed. You are what you've always been, but tonight... Yes, perhaps it's that I'm feeling all new, or my understanding of this is new. The great clock, forever counting down. You know the one, or else... Or I'm just... He looked up, as if hoping for heavenly inspiration. I think I've been too focused on myself, on my history and my shortcomings, on what you think of me, on when you might decide if, I mean, what you might think of me one day, eventually, given some time for the excitement to wear off. <sighs> Crowley argued faintly. But perhaps, instead of focusing on myself, waiting passively while some existential timer counts down my hours with you, if I could just... just look at you. Take care of you. Decide what I think about you. His voice had grown very soft. Let you worry about me instead. When I focus on you, everything's so much simpler. Could be counting up, Crowley blurted. 
Aziraphale blinked a few times. Beg pardon? Your existential clock thingy could be a stopwatch instead of a countdown. Crowley took a large swig of wine and tossed his head against the shock of bitterness. Aziraphale's eyes started up and down rapidly, his mouth working at a sentence he couldn't form. He had the look of someone making critical recalculations. You've mentioned your countdown clock before, a few times, so just, yeah, thought I'd say, Crowley muttered, already feeling guilty for interrupting a vulnerable moment with his stopwatch nonsense. Don't like thinking about how soon things'll end. Rather know how long they've gone on. Oh. Aziraphale bit his lip and nodded. Of course. I'm actually glad you brought that up. My understanding of time is evolving today. Time's a total fucking bastard and no friend of mine, Crowley growled. And I'll never understand. He just takes and takes and takes and he fucking takes. Yes, unless one is very, very careful never to risk having anything worth taking. Aziraphale said somberly. Aziraphale, Crowley declared defiantly, smacking the table. Fuck that. Us against him, us against everyone. You can have things, you can want things. Adam says, he says we are messes and we can have a thing. At that, Aziraphale cocked his head, puzzled, and Crowley realized that the last bit might need some explaining. Instead, he just seized Aziraphale's hand and pressed a long kiss into his palm. And chuckled. The tipsiness was starting to set in. <laughs> I can't wait to hear your five things, Angel, Crowley said. Even if it's years from now, whenever you're ready. With any luck, I'll be here looking after you with one too many drinks on the counter when you finally tell me what you want. I want to be looking after you, Aziraphale breathed. And I want to let you. Crowley swallowed, looking askance, humbled. That was the farthest into the future he'd ever heard Aziraphale extend a hope or a wish or a desire. They clasped one another's forearms on the table in a right-handed hold that felt both new and ancient. I might not be very good at being looked after, mind. Not at first. Then we shall have to practice. I expect you'll be better at taking care than me anyway. Oh, I very much doubt that. You won't be so neurotic, for one. I always go overboard. I'm half a doomsday prepper, just... Crowley shook his head. 
I've always got to plan for the worst. Keep everybody safe. Keep everybody fed. Have everyone's favorite things at hand, just in case. That doesn't sound so neurotic, Aziraphale pointed out. That seems prudent and thoughtful, actually. But an execution, it's always too much, isn't it? There's the rub. Crowley ran his thumb over the downy hair just below Aziraphale's elbow. You've seen how I get. I'll bring you three different flavors of mustard, five kinds of jam, twenty kinds of tea, and get all spun up about what number twenty-one should have been, as if... Oh, fuck. Again, Crowley pinched the flesh between his eyes, trying to hold back his own thoughts, which were turning on him. Twisting a painful point in his belly. Don't. Don't push. As if the world would end if I got it wrong. If I didn't have what you need. As if I could keep you here. Keep you from going. Fuck. Fuck. Stop. Or or keep you from sending me away. By having everything you'd ever want to reach for right, right here. Oh, fuck. Just... Right here. Dear heart, Crowley. Aziraphale squeezed the forearm in his grasp urgently. Crowley reluctantly met his eyes, and they were stormy with intent. I wish I could persuade you, Aziraphale said. How very much I am not reaching for mustard. Crowley bowed his head. Nor tea, nor jam, nor any of the other beautiful gifts you've brought me. His vision on the table blurred. He blinked. Not even my books, the ones you rescued. When I called you that day, I didn't want my books. I wanted you. When Aziraphale brushed his jaw with a fingertip, just for a moment, the air in the room went all funny. It started ratcheting in and out of Crowley's lungs instead of flowing smoothly, and it tasted of salt. And you're here, love. You're right here. I always find what I want when I reach for you, Aziraphale assured him. Because you are what I want. You are enough. I'm not, though. It's... I can't keep... Couldn't keep... I couldn't hold... I'm not... The words hitched in Crowley's soft palate and wedged there so hard that they burned. The back of his throat expanded painfully. You are enough, Crowley, Aziraphale repeated, louder. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm too much. It's, I'm too much. Fuck no. The breath was bucking, bursting, wrecking, on the rocks. The voice was cracking, 
into pieces. Little sharp sound bits everywhere, getting into the gash, scraping everything raw, every goddamned colour, and he couldn't put anything together again. Crowley was losing his grip, but don't you fucking, don't you even fucking dare. You are not too much, love. I'm a fucking overwhelming needy worry tornado. Crowley half shouted. And you can't, you can't just say that as if... All the light was gone. The golden silhouette of Aziraphale was gone, flooded out and streaming, running down the cliffside, the falls, dripping, pouring off the... No, 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 don't fucking start. But the warm hands were there, his hands both hands, those hands, even in the dark, and there was his voice. He was a rock, unmoved by the battering waves. Right there, a fixed point, holding fast. Crowley clung to him like an abalone. A high whining siren arose in the hollow of his throat. No, no, you are not too much, Aziraphale told him in a tone steady with patience and rich in grace. You will not lose my love if you forget the mustard, and you will not lose my love if you buy six different kinds in a fit of generous anxiety, because I don't give a damn about mustard. You, yourself, are enough for me, and I do not want to send you away. You are enough, Crowley. You are enough. You are enough. Oh, oh, there it is. To break, breaking, will break, broke, has broken... That's the one. It has broken. He has broken. Present perfect. Present fucking perfect. Crowley had broken. The sobs were wrenching, loud, ugly things, but worst of all was the familiar way they made him feel so damned helpless. His own body was shaking him like a doll, and he hated the horrible sound of it. Enough. No, how? Enough. 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 He had cried like this so much, so many times, and he'd never found relief in tears the way other people seemed to. It was always humiliating. It always sucked. Only Adam and Lil had really seen it, plus the odd nurse attending the worst of the hospital visits. And a certain memorable one-night stand some years back who had mercifully been kind about it, although he'd fled the scene as soon as he could safely extricate himself. Enough. Me. No, enough. 
fuck. Aziraphale was up, of course. He was coming. He was there, right there. He stroked Crowley's hair and rubbed his back. Crowley grabbed his husband by the waist and yanked him down into his own lap so that he could hide in those soft arms. Soft, but so strong. They sat together, rocking, wrecked. Aziraphale let Crowley hold him painfully tight, bury his tear-tracked face, and then, for several minutes, shake apart. Come undone. Enough. Enough. The presence far across the room was felt more than seen or heard. Adam knew these awful sounds very well, and he'd cracked his door open to bear witness. Crowley sniffled and turned one eye out of the shelter he'd just found beneath Aziraphale's collarbone. Once Adam knew he'd been spotted, he scuffed his way out to them in fleece pajamas and a hoodie. He stood a few feet away and watched as Crowley hit his face again and painfully gasped his way toward remembering how to breathe. There was some rattling around in the kitchen. The sound of the freezer door. Adam's soft footsteps on carpet. I got the ice cream, Adam said. He set it down on the table and then hugged both of them. How? Aziraphale gasped in muted surprise. This, oh fuck, this, enough. Crowley wanted to stop time, right here, right now. He could feel Adam's hair on his cheek and Aziraphale's ridiculous bow tie against his forehead. Hold the phone. Hold everything. All he could do was hold on with all his might, and he did. Until the ice cream was going soft and he was all cried out. Finally... Crowley lifted his head with a horrendous snotty sniff and said, Well, that was a thing. Adam laughed and then vanished in a flurry of footsteps. He returned with a roll of toilet paper and Crowley began the cringing, wiping, wadding, awful, salty process of cleaning himself up. Aziraphale tried to stand up, but Crowley caught him by the waist and pulled him into his lap again. Oh, no, you don't. Where do you think you're going? I'm not too heavy for you, Aziraphale asked. Don't you dare fucking move. I'm in a delicate condition and I can't fucking take it. He blew his nose loudly. You did this to me, you bastard. What a hideous mess. Fucking feelings everywhere. Aziraphale just smiled and kissed the top of his head. You good? Crowley asked him. Oh, yes, 
he replied. I've learned a great deal today. I really should take notes. There will be a quiz, Adam piped up. He opened the top of Tin Roof Sunday. He'd brought three spoons. Go get a bowl, Crowley told him. We have company and your lips are gross. <laughs> your face is gross, Adam laughed. He went for bowls and started scooping. Aziraphale was wiping his eyes and blowing his nose as well. Apparently he hadn't come out unscathed. He'd been quiet about it, at least had the self-control not to wail like a bloody broken foghorn. Well, I'm a mess, so ta for that, said Crowley. Gonna have to spot clean your waistcoat, probably. Any time, darling. You guys fit pretty good, said Adam. He passed the bowls around and took an admirably large bite of ice cream. Well, Adam, we fit pretty well, Aziraphale noted. Oh, fucking hell, said Crowley. He smooshed his face into his husband's shoulder again. It's the busted bits, Adam said matter-of-factly with his mouthful. Busted what? Crowley's voice was muffled by rumpled layers of wool and cotton. You said the busted bits of people have to fit together like puzzle pieces, remember? Adam took another massive bite. I said that. Aziraphale wrestled a spoonful of ice cream out of his bowl with one hand, but of course he offered it to Crowley. Crowley ate it with a comically loud chomp. Yeah, you did, said Adam. You probably stole it from Herb or someone, though. Herb? asked Aziraphale. Then he willingly accepted the bite of ice cream Crowley was holding up for him. From a therapist. Ah! Crowley normally didn't do dessert, but the ice cream felt nice on his ragged throat, so he polished it off in just a few bites. His head felt foggy and heavy and oddly empty, and he couldn't remember half of what he'd talked about or what had made him cry so hard, and he hoped Aziraphale would in fact take notes, because all those details had seemed very important at the time. Thank you very kindly for the ice cream, Adam, said Aziraphale. Adam made a face at Aziraphale's formal dinner party manners. But he said a hearty, you're welcome, and cleared the table. Can we please all go to bed before I die of embarrassment? Crowley pleaded. Yeah, whatever. Adam drawled on his way back to his room. Good night. While Aziraphale turned down the duvet, Crowley watered the most delicate of the plants. He'd skipped their usual care regimen for the day, but only a few were such divas that they'd wilt over it. 
He ruffled the trefoil leaves of the oxalis, wondering detachedly how he could loathe neediness in himself so much when he surrounded himself with plants that needed him. When the worst thing he could imagine was Adam not needing him anymore. Taking care of your problem collection? Aziraphale asked quietly. Till they die or I do, yeah. Except the ones I pitch off the balcony for misbehaving. Crowley! Something in Aziraphale's tone, some heavy intention, made Crowley spin in place to pay attention. Their gazes locked, unwavering. Mm hmm? What if I were to stay here? More? Do you mean, like, a little more or a lot more? I mean, quite a lot more. Crowley blinked. His mouth twitched. He stopped breathing. Darling, the pitcher. Oh, that sound, that spatter? That was the water hitting the floor. Crowley jerked his arm up to stop it and managed to spray droplets in a wide arc around the room. Aziraphale laughed, but not his nervous, subject-changing laugh. He wasn't trying to distract from anything tonight. He remained bravely in the moment. Crowley set down the watering can and ignored the puddle spreading along the edge of his foot. He clutched his left hand with his right to stop them shaking. His chest hurt. His field of vision was narrowing. His ears rang. Maybe this was what getting proposed to felt like. Was this what getting proposed to felt like? Crowley had never been proposed to. He twisted his ring. Gosh, was all he could say. I know it's too soon. Far too soon, really. But if we decided to try... What do you think about it? Crowley interrupted. Aziraphale smiled sheepishly at the floor. I think it's irrational and ill-advised in every way. I also think think it might be what I want. We'd have to ask Adam. Adam has already put his thumb on the scales, Crowley. Aziraphale looked up at him, and the gentle smile broadened. Of course, at his age, things are perhaps a little too clear-cut and simple. But still... He made his wishes known to me, and he argued for it more passionately than I could have ever expected. I wouldn't dream of bringing it up otherwise. What are... what are your thoughts on the matter? Crowley shifted his weight back and forth absently. You really want to? Try, I mean. I do. I want to try. I want you. Oh, gosh, 
he said again, feeling deeply uncool, wholly disarmed. Where had all his fucks gone? I, uh, I, um, uh, I think you already know what I want, Angel. It's your choice. With a little sigh, Aziraphale stood and approached him, took his hands. My choice, hmm, with all the accompanying problems. That's the deal, only one we're ever offered. Aziraphale raised Crowley's knuckles to his mouth and kissed them, as if they were precious. You are a problem, though, dearest, he mused. You're the problem. My problem of choice, really. Crowley inhaled deeply in response to that, filling his lungs completely for what felt like the first time all night. Maybe all week. He prayed to someone he wasn't about to ugly cry twice tonight. Yeah, I could be that, he said thickly. I'm bound to disappoint on any other promise I could make you, but I can faithfully swear to be a top-tier problem as long as I live. My problem said Aziraphale, slipping his arms around Crowley's waist and drawing their foreheads together. Yeah, well, I wash my hands of me, so definitely your problem now. That sounds ever so troublesome. Go and lie down. I'll clean this up. Crowley drifted to the bed and sat and he couldn't seem to remember how to do anything more, but that was fine, because Aziraphale dried the floor and undressed him and rolled him onto his side, where he lay motionless. Budge up, said Aziraphale a minute later, tapping Crowley's bicep gently. Crowley scrambled over inelegantly to make room. Aziraphale kissed the snake on his temple and then curled up around him. Their knees fit together so comfortably. Spoons made for such cold, unyielding imagery, they were all wrong, really. Aziraphale was plush and warm. Just to get it on the record, Crowley murmured sleepily. Was that a yes to hanging around more? Oh, yes, it's a yes. Absolutely yes. It may well be the most foolhardy, reckless, daredevil thing I've ever done. Not that that's a high bar. Oi, best not start off by insulting your new roommate. Of course, apologies. Though I do hope I am the most foolhardy, reckless, Daredevil thing you've ever done. Aziraphale pinched his ass and then hugged him closer to stop him squirming. Squeezed him a little, even. That left no room for the worries and the don't fuck ups. They just couldn't fit. Whatever am I going to tell Tracy? Aziraphale sighed.
<sighs> She's no wilting flower. Oh, she'll be fine. And you'll be close by. There in five minutes if she needs you to carry groceries. They lay still for a while. Crowley liked to let their breathing fall into sync. Aziraphale always started in on little hypnic jerks when he fell asleep, but they hadn't begun yet. Speaking of Tracy, Crowley whispered into the dark. Um, did you want to try that thing of hers again sometime? Very much. Go to sleep, you ridiculous marsupial. As you wish. And Crowley did.